Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, best experience in 5DX with Smell-O-Vision with the Feelies add-on. Today we're discussing the choice to go out to the movies versus watching at home. Can streaming and theaters comfortably coexist? Can we and should we even try to go back to the pre-pandemic relationship between these two venues? My name is Mark Linsenmeyer, and when I'm in the theater, I try to make things like the old-timey experience, but the, the audience doesn't tend to appreciate my playing my organ. I'm Erica Spires, and it doesn't quite have the same effect to kick the back of my husband's chair as it did the kids in front of me at the movie theater. And I'm Brian Hurt. And for my opinion on this topic, it's going to cost you $19.95. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2021. Woohoo. Happy New Year. Erica said that through a yawn. I did, and a big stretch. Celebrating this New Year on January 3rd as a podcast, though by the time you get this, maybe Erica will be firing on all cylinders. This week, I've basically been trying to do a new system where I work out earlier in the day, and I did not do that today, and it's showing. Would you call it a New Year's resolution? No, because I started a few days before, and I don't like to do things that everybody else does. So I just do them slightly different and call myself cool for it. The hipsters are all different from each other. What about you, Mark? What are your New Year's resolutions? Well, to work out more consistently, but podcasting actually works against that. Because if I have to actually like, shower and be presentable to you before noon, then the chances of my getting a workout in is very slim. You don't have to shower for us. We can't smell you. I can smell me. It's the beauty of a <laughs> podcast. What about you, Brian? Uh, the New Year started in September, you Jew hater. All right, let's start. Let's do it. Whoa. So this was your suggestion, Brian. We hadn't had a no-guest one in a while. It was indeed. And it seemed like a, a throwback to our more, I don't want to say philosophical, that has connotations, but, you know, talking about issues, about stuff having to do with media as opposed to particular properties. And it's one that has, I think, impacted everyone, but as a pop culture podcast where we are reviewing things of the moment, and certainly that has been movies, and we've taken assignments to go to the movies to watch things that has impacted how we have to do this for our discussions. I thought it was possibly an interesting idea, and it turns out as we did some research for this topic, there have been a million articles written about what is becoming of the movies, though my thought was maybe because with the vaccine out and the end of this thing on the horizon, maybe this is the time to really start thinking seriously about what is going to become of the movie theater experience. And I think there are a lot of angles to take that from, including from us pretty much strictly as consumers, but also what is going to be offered to us from the movie industry. And it's not totally up to either side in terms of what happens. Who among the three of us is dying to get back into a movie theater? I'm just curious. Mark is pointing at Erica and she's shaking her head. <laughs> Erica, I, th- I thought you were the one and that you had the like the movie pass, the theater pass, and we're, we're a New York out on the town gal. I was. I had the movie pass when that was out. And now I still have the technically the subscription to AMC 
But no, AMC did a wonderful thing where they quit charging us pretty much immediately in March. It was like $20 a month. It was amazing. Maybe 22 taxes, you know, nothing. And you could go to up to three movies per week. And there were also other discounts you could get along the way, the more that you bought. And it was a great deal. And I went to the movies a lot and I do miss it. But no, I'm not looking forward to going back yet. It's going to have to be a different experience for me. And these sets of articles and discussion points really got me thinking about what that would take. Here's the thing. Movie theaters make a ton of their money on concessions. So if I knew I was going into a movie theater and just watching a movie, I could do that. I always felt okay about spending a lesser amount on on my AMC pass if I got concessions every time. Because I still felt like I was helping out in that way and I was going to support the whole system. Now I wouldn't really feel comfortable doing that. So I would be sitting there watching the movie, but then it's kind of taken something out of the experience for me where I could watch it home. I still will go back. I'm just not that excited yet. So it's not related to pandemic stuff. No, it totally is because, you know, leaving your mask on and going to the theater is possible in certain ways, but people like to go there and sit and have popcorn and soda, as do I. So that part has changed. And with a vaccine, hopefully it'll all be cool. But we don't know that yet how long that'll be before that feels safe to remove masks. All right. So I thought we were asking a different question, which is when everything just gets wiped clean and the pandemic is so far behind us, are you excited to get back to theaters? It sounds like that might be yes, but you can't separate that from the actual reality. I don't even know how to answer that question. Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah, it's like I asked Drew the other day. I was like, what are you looking forward to doing in 2021? Let's set some goals. And he goes, Erica, I can't think that way anymore. I just have to think day to day. So if you waved a magic wand, Mark, and I could get back to the way it was, absolutely, yes. I was a person who went to the movies every week. So that's a good place to start is what your sort of standards were for getting out of the house (laughs) beforehand. Because I definitely was in the group of, ah, it's so expensive and it's kind of a pain. And so unless I'm like, unless it's date night or something like that, which happens every once in a while, then it would have to be like a big Star Wars movie or something, like something that actually requires the giant screen. And I would have even preferred 3D that I couldn't get anywhere else, just that no one that I would go with a movie with likes 3D. So I never get to go to the 3D ones unless I go by myself. Brian, what, what was your pre-pandemic attitude? I really love seeing a movie on the big screen, but there's not that much more I like about the movie theater experience. My dream is the movie theater where there's nobody in it but me and maybe who I've come with. I feel like I've won the lottery when no other human being walks in. When I'm watching a movie and it's it's its last week out and I'm in the middle of the day or something, I steal the opportunity of the theater to sell me anything because I smuggle all my food in. And I used to always try to open my can really quietly. And then at some point, I just waited till like early on when there's a quiet moment in the movie, I just like open it as loudly as possible. This really loud crack (laughs) of the can of pop opening. And occasionally I'll just steal a movie and I'll go into another theater and... No! No, usually it's when I'll... Occasionally I'll go with someone who who's seeing something different. And if so when I saw Spider-Man, Far From Home, we watched Far From Home for this podcast. And I went with some family members and they watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I had nothing to do for half an hour, so I just waltzed into the second half of The Lion King, Ah. which uh, magically I I figured out what was happening. I don't know how I did that. (laughs) Thank goodness. But, I mean, if I could just have a movie theater attached to my house that I could just go watch movies in and pause when I needed to go to the bathroom, and I would just love that so much. 
I don't need any other human being to watch a movie with, except who I came to the movies with, and occasionally not even them. I have some friends and family members who aren't well-behaved. <laughs> what does well-behaved mean? You will shut your pie hole, and you will keep your pie hole shut. We can talk during the trailers. My wife and I always give each other a thumbs up or thumbs down after each trailer to see if we want to see it, but that's probably where it ends. For me, talking is bad, but not as egregious as opening up one's phone and texting or searching the internet while in a movie. That always drove me nuts. That's why I like, I think my ideal, we had, we had talked about like, what's your ideal experience for going to movie? And for me, it's got to be that Alamo draft house like how careful they were with you pull out your phone, you might get a warning, but that's it. You're out of there, buddy. You don't talk. You don't get up and disturb other people. I mean, yes, you're encouraged to make noise when it's a collective, like we're all paying attention and we're all gasping or clapping together. But otherwise, keep your pie hole shut and eat good food. Does Alamo Drafthouse still bring you the check during the climactic scene of the movie? That's a little annoying, yeah. But, it, the, the, you know, the good servers will come. They'll, like, duck down and they'll, like, kind of slyly place it on there, you know? As you can imagine, it is totally... My sneaking in of food does not work in Alamo Drafthouse, so I just have to bite the bullet. And I think those people work on tips, so... But they actually have good food there. I guess. You know, I made the mistake way early on. I saw Life is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I bought nachos. And so I'm eating and I'm realizing I can't look at my food and read subtitles. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) It was a big decision, but, you know, the nachos won. I get it. Life is beautiful. (laughs) It's right there in the title. You don't really... Something funny is going on. I don't know. They're... Oh, shit. It's not funny anymore. What happened? I mean, what do we think about the sort of measures that have been taken over the years to try to make it a better experience for us to make it actually worth going out to... I can't stand a place that doesn't have stadium seating at this time, or, you know, it's, it's quaint to go to the theater that still has the terrible, crummy wooden chairs. Like that is something that's only at historically accurate or something houses. So, you know, on an occasion, I, I don't mind that. But for the most part, you know, when it actually works, I do feel like I'm being shoved through an automatic car wash that maybe the sound will work. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be way too loud. And there'll just be clearly nobody paying attention that knows anything and fixing the experience as it's happening. I agree about the newer theaters, Mark. I, I can't go back to the old ones. And Erica, that actually, I think, helps with, with people's cell phones, with these big chairs and you're on tears. I just can't. The person in front of you is pretty far away. And I don't necessarily even see their phone the way I used to. You're right, Mark. When I saw, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, when I went to go see myself once upon a time in Hollywood, the projector broke and it took like 15 minutes for anything to happen. And they just, the movie just kept playing and they had to back it up and do it again. I still have my we're sorry coupon uh-huh. because <laughs> I haven't been able to go to a theater for reasons. But the days of having a projectionist in each projector room, I think are are behind us. We have moved on technologically from that, I think. I remember watching Zoolander for the first time in a movie theater back in Springfield, Missouri, and the film melted. It just melted. And you started seeing like a little bit, and then all of a sudden it was just a big old melt, and then it just stopped. (laughs) That's old school. So you saw the bubbling on the screen. Yeah, it was so cool. And of course, you know, they had to stop, and it was a big thing. Like nobody had ever seen anything quite like that before. And that's something I wouldn't have experienced at home, right? And that's something I still remember. And that was many, many years ago. 
I like the collective experience. I don't always. There are definitely times when it sucks. There are definitely times when you're in a movie theater that smells bad and hasn't been cleaned very well and people are kicking your chair or the chair doesn't sit right. So the nice thing about going to the movies a lot is that you get to know which theater is like that, right? Not not just which theater, as in the full movie theater, but you get to know which room they're putting you in and if that's one that you want to put up with or not. And sometimes the nice thing about going one to, into a room that still doesn't have stadium seating is that those are the movies where there tend to be far less people. So you very likely might be in a room with five other people watching a film that not a lot of people wanted to see. And that might be one where you don't have assigned seats the way that in some of the bigger ones, so you can actually move around to another seat. I have to say assigned seating is my favorite thing. I think whoever came up with that, thank you. Thank you. Just not having to get there early to get the seat you want is very nice. The only thing that sucks is those people who get assigned seats and they take it as their cue to come in while the movie's starting and you're trying to watch it. That's pretty annoying. That's because people are the worst. I tried to establish that (laughs) earlier, but it didn't take, but we'll get there. So I used to really avoid, especially, you know, dread kind of seeing anything at a time of day where kids could be there. Yeah. And now, especially if we're we're seeing like Frozen 2 or something, I kind of want to go to the ones with all the little kids at them because I miss hearing like the kids asking stupid questions and making comments to their parents about what's going on on screen. I feel that this is an experience that I cannot have any other way at this point. You can have that at the theater. That's a snowman. There's a snowman (laughs) on screen. Oh, yes. (laughs) That's the joy of seeing also a horror film with a group of people. You know, whether it's at your house. Is the children that are too young to be there and you can, (laughs) you can, you can gloat, you can uh, shun those parents. What the hell are you doing with your child at this film? No, there's nothing better than watching a film with somebody who is too scared to watch that film. And it makes you feel a little bit better. It takes you out of being so scared yourself, you know, when you hear somebody else freaking out. I was talking to Drew about this this morning and, you know, the experience of being in a big room. And one of the things he mentioned was the first time we all saw Avengers in the IMAX theater here with the stadium seating and everything I'm sure was too loud. And it's just packed opening night. We would always try to go opening night with our with a group of friends. And the collectivism was so nice when people would get very excited when something exciting would happen and everybody would just scream and yell. And that's something you definitely miss at home. I will concede that. Moments of group enjoyment or being overwhelmed. And even in movies that aren't great. I remember seeing the new Godzilla movie. And when he finally knew it's whatever the one with Brian Cranston was. And when Godzilla finally charges up and fires his breath into the sky, like the place just went nuts. And that was really fun to cheer with the rest of the group. We were into it and it was like a $5 Tuesday. So the theater was packed and it was just, that was a, a fun experience. That kind of gets into one of the talking points we had, which is what movies are worth going to see at the theater and which movies are more worth staying at home for. And I feel personally of two minds on this. So I'm interested to see for you guys, is it the big releases that you're excited to go see? Are they the smaller films? Are they films that were made, maybe not a huge release, but like a Hateful Eight? What's your thought? I already stated sort of what my practice was, but in terms of what is actually preferential, I mean, I think going out is probably better for anything because it forces you to pay homage to the effort that has been done here in a way that you can't at home. 
On the other hand, I feel like editing especially, there's no reason that a lot of these epic things shouldn't be three or four hours long. But nobody wants to sit through that in one sitting. And so it's just a different thing. So there's kind of competing motivations as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I remember seeing Fargo in the theater or Barton Fink and other John Turturro films. I don't know. More recently, what was the Coen Brothers one with the uh, old-time Hollywood? Hail Caesar? Yes, Hail Caesar. That was one of the last ones I recall. Of the non-blockbuster variety, I recall seeing in the theater. And that was a date night. We even go to the more expensive theater in town that has better food in it and things to have that experience. So yeah, all other things being equal, I would go to everything. But it really is becomes a financial thing for me that I'm just damn cheap. I used to think it was really like the bar you needed to clear was there. It has to be a big movie where there is some effort that's been put into spectacle mm-hmm. or VFX. But I think my mind has really changed on that. And in part, having been kind of brought to movies, I really wasn't that interested in seeing in the theater and realizing that anything that has any kind of cinematographic value, gosh, I don't know if that's an adjective, where the cinematography, where any thought has been put into it, even if it's a small movie or it's a quiet movie, but when clearly someone is not just making a comedy or that is something we're supposed to not notice versus something we're supposed to appreciate. And it makes me wish I had seen certain things in the theater that I didn't. When I think back of having watched Roma on the small screen, and I really wish that I had taken the trouble to go see that in the movie theater, even though it was clearly not a, was not an epic, but it was some, it was so beautiful on the small screen. And I can't get that experience back of seeing it on the big screen. I saw a movie called A Woman in Berlin, and it was about after World War II and a German woman who makes her way in war-torn Berlin. And it was a very, it was not the kind of movie I would normally think about seeing it in the theater, but I think that's the movie that really changed my mind on this. I would say that because of like the AMC program, I have actually seen more films that I wouldn't normally watch at home. It definitely encouraged me because I like to have a reason to walk somewhere and go out and do something, right? Especially in those days when I'm auditioning and I have nothing going on the rest of the day and I just, I want to reward myself in some way. The movie theater actually was an inexpensive way to do that and go also support other artists while I did that. So on the other hand, there have been some releases that have come out in the last few months where I'm like, that looks like a good film. That looks like a film that would be an Oscar contender. Like in a normal year, I would definitely go see that in the movie theaters. But I'm not that excited to see it at home. I think actually going to the movie theater encouraged me to see more art house films than sitting at home. Because sitting at home, right, we have a lot of distractions. And seeing those quiet little indie movies sometimes is easier when you go to have an experience where you're stuck inside and you have to really just pay attention to the screen. It's a beautiful experience. Eric, could you have a different threshold for stopping to watch a movie when you're at home? Do you ever just turn on a movie and it's not doing it for you and you stop watching it? Because I don't imagine that you storm out of the theater much because a movie isn't doing it for you. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't storm out of theaters. But yeah, I guess you're right. I was going to say, no, I guess I watched them all the way through. That is not true. I started Hillbilly Elegy. I watched about 20 minutes and it wasn't quite exciting me. And I was like, oh, I'll come back to it. I've never gone back to it. You would have stuck with it in the movie theater? Yeah, because I paid for it. I would have stuck with it. But you're right. When we're at home, it's competing with regular TV. And I find that I enjoy novels more than short stories. And so the same thing, I think, in general goes, there has to be kind of a reason, like something for this podcast. I just, between last night and this morning, watched Mank, 
about the making of Citizen Kane, writing of the screenplay, it just because it was brought up in some of these articles as being something about old Hollywood. And I just don't think I would have gotten around to it. And it was a, you know, really nice little experience and wonderful performances. And it seems like it would have been a good going to the theater experience. I even did it on my iPad, not because I couldn't have gotten, you know, all right, I got to set up Bluetooth or whatever. If I want to watch things on the big screen when somebody else is in the room doing computer stuff, or it was not a big enough deal for me to make the effort to even get the screen slightly bigger. But I sort of recognized in the abstract, this is nice cinematography. And uh, I should be appreciating this more as a film. For me, it's not as much competing with like, reality TV and stuff, because that's not one of my normal menu choices when I'm not forced to buy a podcast. But in terms of, am I going to charge through more of season four of Mr. Robot or watch this film? Like, it's usually pretty straightforward. There's so many good TV series in my backlog. Well, Mank is on Netflix, I believe. And I sat down to watch it and watched The British Baking Show for three hours. (laughs) So that gets to what Erica just said about, yeah, I would have stayed in the movie theater because I paid for it. A lot of these movies we've paid for in theory, but it's a subscription where you've also paid for all this other stuff that you could watch at the same time. So the cost of watching one versus the other is just an opportunity cost versus things that truly do cost extra money, whether it's that early release of Mulan, which we talked about on an earlier podcast, or these various things that cost $20 until they inevitably will show up on HBO or something else sooner or later. And There's a big psychological difference about sitting down to watch something that you just plop $20 on. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of weird because over this long weekend for New Year's, I finally, I was really excited about Tenet, but I was also kind of tired. And like a lot of the unrestrained filmmaking of Christopher Nolan these days, that third act, I just started falling asleep because it was... Oh no. Yeah, and... I don't normally fall asleep at the movie theaters. I've been in the theaters when Mark fell asleep, but that's because I was the designated driver and everyone else had a few. And I guess that remake of Total Recall just wasn't doing it for everybody. But generally, the idea of falling asleep on the couch watching a movie theater movie, just it's really boring to me. At the same time, it was a hard movie to understand. There was a lot of noise and action and there's no turning on the captions at the movie theater. So... Hmm. You almost have to push it out of your head that this is a theatrical release. Just treat it like any other movie you rented and just try not to think about what you paid for renting it because you can't make it a movie theater experience. And as someone, I guess I never announced in my priors that I did work in a movie theater one summer. And I can tell you a little bit about that popcorn. So, you know, maybe that's why I don't eat the movie theater food. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Cockroaches? Don't tell me. Oh, no. Well, two things. All right, this is, I'm going to take a little side. First of all, the theater I worked at, they inventoried the cups, and that's how they figured out how much they sold and how much the till should match based on the number of cups. And so some employees would take the empties and sell them for cash and refill them and just pocket the money, which is just so nasty. Yep. And then there was this one guy who would also just like eat the popcorn out of the trough and just like let everything that didn't go in his mouth fall back. So this theater is out of business. I know it's so nasty. So stick to the candy. That's all I can say. Let's stop for a minute for a sponsor message. Have you ever watched The Office? If you have, you probably know it's based on a UK series, also called The Office. But what if I told you that there are nine other countries with their own versions of The Office that you've never seen? You probably didn't know about them because they're not usually available in your country. But you can access content available around the world with no geo restrictions when you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located 
You can choose from nearly 100 different countries, giving you access to content that isn't available in your region. If you like watching shows or movies, ExpressVPN is a must-have. For less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN lets you access thousands of new shows and movies on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney+, and tons of other streaming services, and it couldn't be easier to use. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app on your computer or TV, select a location, and hit Connect. ExpressVPN is incredibly fast, doesn't slow down my connection, I can stream content in HD with no quality issues. So get the most out of your streaming services today at expressvpn.com slash pretty. If you use that link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash pretty. Visit expressvpn.com slash pretty to learn more. This is from Vanity Fair, the movie release calendar. Things that should have come out this year that are either going to be pushed or things that have come out and they were forced to do a different type of release. And as I was making this list, I realized for myself, I definitely had a trend. Things that I will see and probably would pay $20 happily for, Black Widow, No Time to Die, Top Gun, Ghostbusters, French Dispatch... Doctor Strange, John Wick 4, Matrix 4, Batman, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Mission Impossible, Thor, Shazam 2. Almost all of those are movies in a series, except for French Dispatch, which you could kind of say any of Wes Anderson films are kind of like they almost feel like it, right? We use the same kind of cast and he has a very definitive look. But I thought, wow, isn't that funny? Even though some of these I know will not be very good films, I knew that I would spend the money to see them because it feels like an experience that I can share with my friends and talk about. The ones I have seen have mostly been ones I've gotten on sale or ones that have come with a subscription. And the ones that I would have seen in the theater with my pass or even maybe without a pass and just paying for them, but I don't really want to watch at home are Tenet, Antebellum, Promising Young Woman, and In the Heights. I will probably pay for Promising Young Woman and probably for Tenet But more than likely, I'm going to wait till they go on sale. I just don't feel up to spending $20. And part of the problem for me is not just like, oh, well, these films aren't as good. That's not the case. For example, Tenet and Antebellum, both of those movies I've heard meh reviews about. That wouldn't have stopped me so much from going to the theater to see it. I think because it's an experience that I I could have had with somebody else. But watching them on my own for $20 at home, it's just less appetizing to me now that I know other people who've seen them and aren't that jazzed. That's more than I would have spent on my subscription pass for AMC. Erica, do you ever... Erica, I understand that you have a VR headset in your home that you play games on, correct? I do. Okay. Do you ever watch movies on that? And not like 3D, but just have a movie fill your entire field of vision or have a big experience? No, I never have. Could you please do that and report back? (laughs) Yeah. No, I will. I think if we had two of them and Drew and I were both experiencing that at the same time, it might feel different. But just for me to do it, uh, I feel so closed off. The reason I ask yeah. is I find that when I see movies in the theater, in part just the big experience of it, and it like, takes up my field of vision and the sound is all over the room, and it just impacts me more. And I feel like I'm thinking about it for quite a bit longer to the point where occasionally when I see two movies in a row, sometimes that second movie pushes the first one out of my brain, and that's happened a few times, and I had to sort of stop doing that, in part because it was impacting my enjoyment of that first movie. And I do wonder if, and I know you lose the communal experience of watching it with someone, but I just have a feeling it would be a slightly different experience from watching it on a large TV, no matter how large, Mark, you mentioned in the notes about buying an obscenely large TV, but you know, we take these big TVs and we put them across the room and it's still just 
taking up a small angle of our vision compared to a giant screen. Get a gaming chair and sit really close. And have your mother in the back of your head saying, you're going to, you're going to ruin your eyes. I don't know why my mom sounded like she did. She doesn't sound like that at all. (laughs) We've heard her on your podcast. She doesn't sound like that. I'm still too new to, I think TV size is always relative. So like when I got the last TV as a step up from one that was not even letterbox, like that seemed like such a big advance. And now going up another 10 inches this season, like, I don't know, we just watched Soul last night as a family. And I feel like that was as good an experience as we would have had in the theater. We got to pause a couple times, but not so much that it was like, we don't care or we're looking at our phones or we're, you know, I'll save the rest for tomorrow. It's not like desecrating it to that extent. It's just like making it so you can go get more pizza and go to the bathroom, which is, which should be okay. But yeah, it was just looked so good on the new screen. And I just, I don't know how it could have been improved. We have rear speakers and it seemed fine. Even though that's like, it was... Ooh, you have rear speakers. Ooh, yes. See, we haven't even gotten into that. What are the politics of decking out your house? And like, what all... Did you get this during the pandemic? Did you have this before the pandemic? Because I think a lot of people are spending money now on their home systems, and that's changing things too. Yes. I mean, well, the new TV was certainly a pandemic thing. It was also because we were trying to get a PS5, which we have not been able to get. Mm. And we're like, we need the thing that the PS5 can play on. And only ended up sizing up. We would have just gotten the same, you know, just a 4K version, perhaps of the same size, except they were cheap enough. They just have gotten ridiculously cheaper. They have. Over the years. So why would you not if you're going to go through the trouble of upgrading at all? But the speakers around the house thing has always been a political issue in that we used to have like an actual 5.1, you know, five, actually it has three rear speakers, but it's really hard to like actually get the cords around the house the proper way. So they were kind of on the fireplace in a row. Mm -hmm. It was a little weird. And there was the center speaker that had to sit on top of the TV or right in front of it. I forget where, but my wife got sick of that, and so she found out about sound bars. And so now, yeah, we have the single sound bar, which sounds quite good. And then it has a Bluetooth connection, I guess, to the rear speakers that you have to plug in elsewhere, and they peek out behind the couch. And But there's no cords strung around, and it's really minimally, it does not seem decked out. All the large speakers, there's still a woofer, but it's in the corner, and it's not in the way. That sounds nice. When I was in like middle school, my eldest brother, who you guys met, spent his money working over the summer on just like a whole sound system. And it was the coolest thing. It was like we had a big screen TV, which was one of those giant boxes at the time, of course. And he had this sound system put in and we would watch Jurassic Park. And I remember just being able to feel it. That was like the first one I remember testing out when we got our new setups so many years ago. The stepping (laughs) and then like, yeah, feeling the dinosaurs stepping through the floor. It was awesome. We don't have a great sound system, which does suck. And it does actually almost force us to use subtitles. And I think that probably does take away a bit from the experience that we would have in a theater because it draws your attention away from the image that you're supposed to be looking at. Are you self-conscious at all about making noise in an apartment complex? Yeah, it's not so bad here. I've never had anybody make any complaints, but I try to be careful because you get into an experience, you just want it to be really loud. You don't realize how loud it is. And that's part of the social contract is not complaining. Yeah. And I've I've been there too, right? And you're like, well, I got to really pick my battles. And occasionally you just never fight that battle. And you're like, well, 
you know, I'll save it for when there's water coming out of the ceiling. Exactly. Yeah. Which has happened. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How about you, Brian? Has it changed your experience um, with your at-home setup? No, it really hasn't. And part of it is, I think the visual experience is really important to me, but I don't really go for the big sound. And I listen to headphones a lot of the time. And if we could have little headphones at the movie theater and have everyone not talk, I would be, I would like give up movie theater sound to just get the spectacle of the movie theater. And my understanding is actually in some countries, they do have headphones that you can get and listen to. And I know some headphones are great. And even as we talk, you both have nice headphones on and I have these little earbuds in my ears. And that's part of it is I just, that's not the thing that puts me in awe so much as the, the visual experience. I also just watch a lot on my computer when I'm watching by myself. I just don't, it's, uh, I'm pretty close to it and I have a nice screen and I feel like I'm getting a, a fairly big experience with that as well. And humble brag, I'm often on my rowing machine when I'm watching stuff. So, Ooh. you know, me, it's just, it's, I'm healthier than you doing that. But part of it, <laughs> you can justify watching stuff you shouldn't be spending time on when, yeah. when you're exercising. And we all know that. It was a several year, not battle, but war of attrition that I finally got a, a very compact exercise bike that is in the room with the TV. I sort of have to move it over a couple feet to see well, but even in its default location, I can use it. And it's so quiet that other people could even be watching things in the room and I can still be on it and it won't bug them. So there's mine right behind me. And I've been watching Pottery Throwdown while I am on the bike. It's great. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. Okay. We have so many articles. <laughs> yeah, we've been ignoring. <laughs> we're, we're almost to the end of our normal running time. And we've completely ignored all these people just worrying themselves to death. These people in the industry that what has gone on with the pandemic is having permanent consequences. And that even before the pandemic, what was going on with streaming is just wreaking havoc on the system. And clearly we are not as a group as collectively alarmed as these people <laughs> such that we did not even feel the need to treat their concerns in the first half of this discussion. This is something I just have to bring up. So there is a Variety article that you all shared. Patty Jenkins, Aaron Sorkin on Warner Brothers, HBO Max Shocker. We're all scared. Everything's going to change now. So these two major directors are are chatting with each other because, and if you know more about this, please jump in, one of you. Warner Brothers has now said they will be from here on out, as far as we can see, releasing everything that's going to be in theaters on the same day streaming. And of course, that's exciting for some people who can't make it to movie theaters, but it is also not a great thing for filmmakers who have made their films to be seen on the big screen. It also kind of sucks for movie theaters. But this is what really got me from that. This is Aaron Sorkin, whom I love. We're all scared that everything's going to change now, Sorkin said to Jenkins, that movie theaters are basically going to become like art houses and that the films you and I make will only be seen on streaming services. (laughs) Oh no, Aaron Sorkin. I am so sorry that the many movies and television shows that you make, which are wonderful, will only be streamed consistently by people rather than being in the movie theater for a time and that possibly films that otherwise wouldn't be found will actually be in theaters. Oh, give me a break. I don't consider the social network one that was a high priority to run out and see on the big screen for any reason. Right. I mean, he's going to be fine. Aaron Sorkin's going to be fine. I think we can all agree. Yes. You know, I kind of have to take their word for this is going to destroy the industry, that kind of complaint. Sure. In terms of, it seems that having more outlets and more 
watch time that people are putting into it and more net money that they're probably putting into it with, you know, the plethora of streaming services over going out and seeing a movie once a month or whatever the average person was doing before. I don't know how to judge those kinds of claims other than to see a lot of them as quite one-sided and self-serving. And there was one article that we read, you know, that, that brought in so many voices. And then there was another article responding to that. said like, well, you didn't get the theater owner voices. Let's have another article of those people commenting on that. Yes, there's a lot of interest groups involved. Whenever there's change, interest groups are affected. This is not news. Independent theaters were always having a hard time anyway. Like even at the height of, you know, when movie theaters were huge, they were still chain theaters that were mostly huge. I mean, it's the independent theaters are, are still asking for donations on top of you paying a full price for a ticket, right? That part's not going to change. This is a commercial business. And yes, of course, I feel bad for AMC and many, like I have a good friend who was working for AMC for many years who was laid off from this. So it's not like I just think of AMC as a huge corporation that doesn't affect people. Of course it does. And I don't know what's going to happen to those people. And part of me does worry about that for the industry. But of course, it's going to change, right? And we don't know. I guess part of the reason I'm not worried is because we don't know what to be worried about. We don't know how quickly things might change back. And even if they don't change back, we don't know how exactly they're going to change for the long run. We're in a really weird time period and change is happening very quickly across the board. The industry they're so worried about is fundamentally different from what it was when we were young. And in the last 50 years, say, you know, every small town had a movie theater and a new movie came in every week and it was just not the same business. I mean, yeah, it's it's all still on film and we're all, well, I guess it's not technically all still on film, but I guess the the movie itself hasn't changed, but the business has been changing so inexorably over the years that they are really, as you said, Mark, I think they're protecting their own interests more than they are protecting this hallowed thing because this hallowed thing is not has never been constant and 2019 articles or the two articles we read pre-pandemic were clearly getting at these disruptors in the marketplace that yeah, things didn't go as anyone expected in 2020 but if you had asked everyone in 2019 what a pandemic might do i think you could have guessed at least at some of this i still think what warner brothers did was a bit of a shocker mm-hmm and I am not surprised that there hasn't been another company to follow suit in quite the same way. I feel like there is going to be possibly some sort of backlash or maybe even in the long term, maybe foreign companies, people, maybe American movie makers don't want to play ball with American businesses that are doing this because they you know, see that there's more of a global market for the movie theaters than there is in the U.S. And I don't know if streaming is available in the same way around the world as it is in the US. I would doubt it. And I would doubt that even if it is available in the in the way it is here that the setups aren't quite the same. I'm naive about this, but I I think that Hollywood is Hollywood for a reason. It's because part of the experience of being an American is talking about Hollywood and going to the movies and watching movies, right? That's just something that our whole society values and because of that and because we also value television a lot, it's something we invest money in here. And I think we will continue to invest money in it, but that might change towards more streaming. Whereas, yes, in other countries, maybe the movie theaters, maybe it's a bigger time for them to have their collective movie theater experiences like we have been having. I have to say that the cool thing, the only thing I really have to compare our movie theater experience to is when I spent two months in Paris. I went to the movies a lot there. And there were a few large-scale cinemas that I went to, 
But the ones I really liked going to, because there were more of them and it was just interesting, were these kind of crappy inside little art house theaters. And most of them were showing old films all day long. So that's where I went to see Firewalk with me, with my brother, Michael. We watched it in English with French subtitles. And that's not uncommon there. There's a lot of that. And I don't know if they'd really want the experience of the giant movie theaters as much as we do. It does feel like a very fast food, fat American kind (laughs) of experience. Sorry for anybody I'm offending. I don't mean to. I'm one of them. I like that experience too. We are the, that you know that land of plenty when it comes to this stuff. I spent a couple of years in Germany 20 years ago or longer. So it's been a while. I remember going to the theater then and they would show commercials before, which I know is now common in the US, but it wasn't happening then. But I remember the great thing would be they'd have this ice cream commercial before the movies and then it would stop and the lights would come out and this old lady would come out and she'd be ice cream. And so you'd buy your ice cream from her. She'd walk up and down the aisles and you'd pass your money over. Yes. Now that's and, smart. You know, unfortunately, my ice cream days are behind me, but I really loved the ice cream lady with the ice cream. So if we were redesigning the domestic movie experience to add in the best of what you've heard about or could dream of from other countries, from the depths of your depraved imaginations, what would you want there? What would make it worth going out? The Run P app. I don't know if you're familiar with that, where it tells you when you can go to the bathroom. And it's like, at this point in the movie, this happens. So you have three minutes to go run pee. Their motto is because movie theaters don't have pause buttons. And I think that's the answer right there. I just want, we all get one pause. And if someone else does it, so be it. <laughs> Hit the pause button. And then we all trample out to the bathroom. I just like to drink a lot of liquids. What can I tell you? What about you, Erica? Well, you know, movie theaters used to have, like a lot of movies did have two acts. So we could just go back to that format. For me, I want something either, maybe it's not exactly the Alamo Draft House house experience, but even if small indie theaters could pair up with small restaurants and support local food and cinema and have a big theatrical release, but also have space or that same space, if there's only one space for that theater, then they do these older films that were meant to be seen in the cinema and try to, to to recapture that love for film that people have had through the years. There's certainly enough to show those kinds of things, show the cult classics, and also show huge theatrical releases. I mean, for me, it's that entire experience is important. There are no wrong answers to this question, but pause button was more of a right answer. So <laughs> let's see what Mark has to say. I just feel like as long as they they have in mind what the social function actually is, the social function is not just to churn out these these films and have a delivery mechanism because I agree that, well, I don't know if I'm agreeing with anyone, but I resent the delay before things get to the small screen. And I like the idea, if it doesn't decimate the industry or whatever, but I'm not going to take their word for it. They're like, oh, we need this, you know, we need you to wait six months for the new thing to come out. Like if you've created an experience that is worth it for me to go see it in a big screen, and maybe this does mean 4DX or whatever, where the seats vibrate, just something that the technology is too good for it to work on a, you know, in the home in a practical way, then do that out there. And that could be on the other extreme, there've been these one-off Things of like, here, you can see the first Harry Potter movie and an orchestra will play under it and they'll play the whole score. Like, that's certainly something I'm not going to get at home. <laughs> Seeing a live orchestra do this, like have something where there's 
live interaction where there's a Q&A with the director or what, whatever the thing is. There are lots of reasons to have a communal experience. And I think we've talked about before the streaming of live events around the country. And at least the first time that I did that with a Rift Tracks live thing, it was like, this is a community of people that don't get to hang out together and of, you know, with this love of this peculiar thing. And I think you could have, if you have the sort of, I guess I associate with Alamo Draft House, but I haven't been to one of those since I lived in Texas 20 years ago. So I don't even know if this is accurate, but having something that's more of a club meeting where you happen to watch a movie as opposed to just this routine thing that you're going to go see the new releases there. I still haven't been because I think I'd be too afraid, but I still want to do it. Speaking of group experiences, Jaws on the ocean in a floaty. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's a good idea. Jaws 3D on ocean with your 3D glasses. Okay, question for everybody. What movie that you could have seen in your lifetime on the big screen that you didn't, do you wish you had seen for the first time in the movie theaters? What's your regret of seeing it for the first time on the small screen? Damn, it is hard for me to remember. So to not answer your question... Thank you, Mark. And then Erica cannot answer it next. I went through a period of watching old Doctor Who's at some point. And I got through the first two Doctors. And we probably had this discussion that, especially with the second Doctor, some of the footage is no longer extant. So if you want to watch these episodes, you have to watch, people have done these reconstructions where they have the soundtracks to all of them, the entire dialogue and music and everything. And people then pull stills from other episodes or from stills that were actually taken on the set at the time that these were filmed. So you're getting the actual costumes And so I would go through these things and, you know, of course I was kind of binging them and doing them on my iPad and things. This is several years ago. And I couldn't remember later necessarily which ones I had actually seen and which ones I'd merely heard and seen the the faux simile of. And I think that says something about the way that we take in information is unless you had a particular experience, you know, I remember seeing Harry Potter 5 in the theater and part of it was in 3D. And so like they gave you 3D glasses. Don't put them on right now. Wait until the scene where they're in the big library or whatever it is. And then the big sign will put a put on your glasses. Not like, okay, that's an experience I remember. But there's so few of those that I, that there are details unless somebody threw up or there was something wrong with the projector or something. So I don't even freaking know necessarily in all cases what I saw in the theater and what I didn't. So I, I find your question hard to organize my memory to answer properly. That is psychotic. Okay. <laughs> Can you do any better, Erica? Uh, I will echo that I can't. I can't recall. I don't have any obvious regrets. This is shocking to me that you don't have like a memory of. Ev- I don't know why I do. I, I guess I think I know exactly when I've seen everything. Clearly, you have a particular regret. Why don't you express that, Brian? It's a number of them. I mean, it's not just one thing. I was just curious. I was in San Antonio for work, and I had the choice of seeing The Matrix on IMAX or going to a Spurs game. And looking back, I should have gone to see The Matrix instead of going to a basketball game. <laughs> but you just, you never know, because once I was, for a different time in work, I was in Atlanta, and I just, my hotel happened to be attached to a mall, and I had nothing to do that evening, and I went and saw the original Mummy, which I knew nothing about. And seeing that on the big screen, it was just a delight, especially since I had no expectations. So you just never know what you're going to happen to get to see on the big screen or or not. There are certainly ones from before I was born that, you know, I sure wish I could see Jaws on the big screen for the first time, but it will always be the umpteenth time for me from now on in my life. So 
so be it. Maybe on a, a surfboard where my legs are actually dangling in the water, I can watch it, Erica. Let's <laughs> turn it up a notch from what you described. You're making me want to say Wizard of Oz then. It seems like that would have been a nice thing to see in that setting. Yeah, but he said when you could have. Like, it's in your lifetime. See, that's right. it's, a, it's a different question, yeah. They might have in the 70s been playing it somewhere in some <laughs> theater, but I don't remember the circumstances of my first seeing that film. I, there are other films, you know, I remember seeing Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory on TV for the first time because it was so freaking traumatic. <laughs> but I don't remember when I first saw the Wizard of Oz of the probably yearly times that I saw it. I was really young. I know that much. I remember seeing it as a kid. Might have been my first time and wanting to leave the room because it was in black and white. And I was still at that age where I just thought <laughs> thought it was an old movie in black and white and it wasn't going to be any good. And I was told to sit down and shut up, kid. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> well, let's wrap up here and uh, go keep talking in our after talk. That's only for supporters. Pay up at <laughs> patreon.com slash pretty much pop or continue with your lives as normal. So long. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life Podcast Network, and it's also presented by openculture.com.